We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Light Years. Andy, that was a <laughs> little bit of a tight game down the end. I don't even know how else to put it. We're recording the Sunday night right after the Toronto Raptors Warriors game. Uh, I was definitely ready to pod and disgust in the in the uh, early parts of the fourth there, but uh, Damian Lee with a savvy play there kind of caught Kyle Lowry with a little of his own medicine. Yeah, take it. After what Kyle Lowry had been doing for the entire fourth quarter, I think it really is karma for what he got back to him with the last Damian Lee play. I thought it was the right call. I thought it was fine. It was a foul, but it wasn't a three-point shot. Um, no, it was, a, it was oh, the correct call. He was grabbing him, right? but like, uh, right? I, I thought the initial call was uh, on, on uh, Van Vliet fouling him shooting, and you know, Van Vliet didn't do that. So, Yeah. Um, but I mean, overall, uh, that game was... I don't I actually I don't want to say weird. It was just a game that it felt like the Warriors in the first half and really for two and a half, almost three quarters, felt like, man, this team is a real playoff contending team. Um, then it kind of fell off a little bit. I think partly because Steph was just atrocious shooting all night. He wasn't atrocious doing anything else, but he was atrocious shooting, and sometimes that's really all that matters. And uh the Raptors were good enough to bring it back. That's kind of what what happened. Yeah, I mean, um, by the way, I want to throw this out. Andy Lewis in Parts Unknown right now, and he made time. He found a special Wi-Fi box. So if he occasionally <laughs> has a you know, we'll clean this up in editing, but if there's a little bit of a weird echo sound here or there, just know yes. the, man's, yes. the man's working hard. Um, I'm with you. I think this game kind of showed two things for me. It showed the Warriors' growth because I don't think three weeks ago that they – know how to do anything if Steph is being triple teamed and held the way that Toronto is doing right like so that's a positive at the second on the second hand we we also saw kind of their limitations like yes like um some of like the tic-tac-toe passing and finding cutters when Steph is double and triple teamed is cute but at a certain point Steph needs to play a lot better in this if this team's going to do anything special well, you make an incredible point because that, to me, felt like the biggest takeaway from this game. I thought the defense was good, but the fact that this team was able to pass the way that they did 
was so markedly different from what we saw in the first, I don't know, like five games that, I don't know, Sam, like it felt like there was a little 2015, 2014, 15, 16 vibe to this team where they were passing the ball. It becomes contagious. The three starts falling. Ken Bazemore's making threes, right? Andrew Wiggins makes his first three threes. Damian Lee is shooting like 8,000% from three. I got to apologize because he's been amazing. Um, it feels a little, uh, it feels a little classic Warriors. And that's where you're like, maybe Steve Kerr was right all along. Well, actually, Steve Kerr was right all along when he's trying to say, if you share the ball and you get the other players involved, they're going to make shots. And if you, they put the players in the right places, that works, right? So I thought that was kind of a huge portion of this game because, I mean, in between you and I, Steph was good passing the ball. But, I mean, he went one for whatever the hell he went, two right? For, two and, for and 16, one for 10 from three. I don't care how yep. smart he plays. That's not acceptable. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it's going to happen. I do think, by the way, this is hilarious. The entire starting lineup was a negative plus minus, except for Steph, who's plus seven on the night. So, um, and, and it's funny because I don't even think they got off to a particularly bad start. It's just that lineup combination is just not working. Ubre, Wiseman, I mean, the combination of them is terrible. We'll get into it a little later. But the one thing I am noticing is that the small ball second unit is, is pretty effective. So they've at least stumbled upon that. And I want to I wanna, um, kind of get back to your point, which is, in general, like, they're, they're starting to figure out how to play with Steph. Like, we had Wes Goldberg on here earlier in the season. He said it's not easy to play with Steph. And that was a little hyperbolic, but, like, his point is true in the sense of not everyone's used to playing with a star who constantly moves. You know, like James Harden passes you the ball, you shoot the ball because you're never going to see it again, right? Very simple, uh, very simple. Yep. Very simple, yeah. It's like LeBron passes you the ball, you you shoot it because it, that's what's happening. Uh, Steph passes you the ball, he still may get open, te- you know, a second later. And for some guys, actually for a lot of guys, that's that's something they're not used to playing with. So it does take a little while. I mean, we're seeing some growth on that end. <laughs> to, to me, I think it's it's a matter of putting shooters around the guys. Eric Pascal made a th- like he can he's a player that I think is unlocking. Is it weird that I'm saying Eric Pascal is unlocking a little bit of the Warriors units right now because St- Steve Kerr is putting him in with Steph and he's putting him into a pick. There was a couple pick and rolls where Steph is just giving Pascal the ball and he's saying, "Hey, I can finish at the rim," and people are saying, "Okay, I think." Eric Pascal is similar to Draymond Green, but he's not, right? He's completely opposite. His defense is a little bit of a work in progress. But Eric Pascal, if you've given the ball within six feet of the rim, he's finishing the basket. And I think that's something that's like, okay, like that's different from what the Warriors have seen in the past. Um, he's also making a few threes. He's making a few threes, which is a little weird. I don't know how long that's gonna last. Draymond well, he's, Green he's still not taking tonight. he's still not taking a lot. Like, you know, I mean it's yep. it's night yep. he was one for two from three tonight. I'll take that, but you know, no one's confusing him for um, Damian Lee, much less Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that offense is—it it is a little interesting in that. I should say the w- shooters, especially—I I don't want to say fake shooters, but I should because I, when I think of fake shooters, I think of like the, what the Houston Rockets have thrown out on the floor. But I, just, I should Eric say that the shooters that there were, or Eric Pascal, he is a fake shooter. But like Damian Lee, Kent Bazemore, guys like that, Michael Mulder, 
is if you get some type of rhythm and type some type of offensive scheme that works to their advantage where they're just like, hey, I catch and I shoot, that's going in, right? Versus those guys that actually have to make a decision. And I think, and I think that's been the problem with someone like, wait for it, Kelly Oubre, right? Ah, he has we're to, taking it home. Right? We're, 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 if he has to make a decision, it's, it goes very bad, whether that be for a wide-open shot or it be for a dribble. But when you put Kelly Oubre in a position – like, Sam, if I ask you if I put Kelly Oubre on the Houston Rockets offense right now, I think he'd be fine, right? But the problem yeah, I mean, he's is better. Kelly, he's better than Daniel House. He can do right, what Daniel House right. does better. And the problem is that the Warriors are putting – and I actually don't know if that's a bad thing, that the Warriors are putting Kelly Oubre in a position where he doesn't just have to be Daniel House. He has to do a little bit more than that where, hey, set a fucking screen when you're off the ball or that if you don't get the ball, why don't you cut, right? And I think that's the right – I think that's the right mindset. It's just that it's so hard for someone of, of a low IQ presence like Kelly Oubre – that he can't make those plays today. But I think it's working for people like Bazemore and Damian Lee that know how to play a little bit more basketball. Right. Um, so, and I think it's working out for those guys. So one thing I'm seeing is everyone loves to pick on Oubre. Um, and it, to be fair, I mean, he's like one for 400 from three. So, you know, he's not doing himself any favors. He makes a lot of plays that just, just boneheaded when you look at everyone else. But when I look at it, right now the Warriors have two different lineups. They have the starting unit, which is huge, big wingspans, short on spacing. And then they have the backup lineup, which is small, but can space and score with the spacing. And what we're seeing is kind of what the Warriors revolutionized with basketball, which is speed and space beat size every day. And it's not that Kelly Oubre or James Wiseman are bad players at all. Like Wiseman's, I mean, I think he's going to be excellent. I think he had a pretty solid night tonight. Um, But you can only have, like, there's a requisite amount of shooting you have to have on the floor. And right now the Warriors starting lineup, the second best shooter is Andrew Wiggins. And he's shooting really well, but I don't think either you or I think he's going to stay at 42% from three on the season. So it's, you know, and Draymond's not going to be that guy either. Draymond has two of five tonight from three. I love it, but, you know, I don't think that's happening every night either. Uh, with Draymond specifically, who does so many other things, there has to be like an impediment on putting more shooting in that lineup. And it's just kind of, uh, I feel like it's just, it's just redundancy. You know, it's like, I, I feel like if you put Kelly Oubre, if you swapped Kelly Oubre and, I don't know, Mulder, right? Uh, Mulder would give the first unit way more spacing, and then Ubre could just slash right. with a bunch of shooters in the second unit. Right. He'd look a lot better, and people would be like, "Why is an Ubre starting? Look how good right. he looks!" You know, so it's, it's kind of like a lineup combination thing. It, it's 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 that's a great point, but because it's almost like here's the two weakest links right in the starting lineup. It's you can't play Ubre and Wiseman together, right? Or you swap them are one of those in any way, exactly, or shooters, pastors, really. exactly, exactly, and so. And so you either swap Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup with Damian Lee and you get a little bit more spacing and you're okay with Wiseman making the mistakes he does on offense and, and on defense in terms sure. of what type of offense that you play. And maybe he'll finish at the rim because he was pretty good today. You mentioned that earlier, and I agree. He's pretty good today, but he gets benched in the entire second half because it's like you can't play James Wiseman with – well, I don't, I don't want to say you can't, Sam, 
But maybe in a winning situation, you don't want to play uh, Draymond Green and James Wiseman at the same token. Because to me, to me right now, you can't play Draymond Green and Kevon Looney in the same lineup in a winning situation. Kevon Looney of the past, yes, you can. And they've done that before. Or, or you know, you can play the two of them if you have Steph Clay and KD. But... And KD or <laughs> even Iguodala that makes the right plays, right? I agree. Sure. But you can't do that. I agree. Because you can't do that right now. And so you say, I, you, you gotta have to pick. You can't play Kelly Oubre and Wiseman at the same time because those are two guys that are just gonna make the wrong plays. And the wrong plays matter more for a Steph Curry led team because a Steph Curry led team is a smarter basketball team than a team like a Trey Young led basketball team where they only have a one two read offense. Um, and that's all you can do. So, by the way, Trey Young's, Young's Hawks are. What are they? They're eleventh yep. in the East. I bring that up because of this. Yep, I bring and that up they because of this. are currently having locker room issues. They're four and five. They're you know, there is value to what the Warriors want to do. Like I think people think you and I want them to just run a one-five pick and roll every play, and that's not the truth. Like that, we just want them to like be somewhere in between trying to run multivariable calculus and basic <laughs> basic arithmetic like like the hawks are out here being like two plus two is four and steve kerr is out here trying to sign you know solve um some you know multivariable linear you know non-linear calculus type equations so we're like can we be somewhere in the middle yeah right right exactly and i think james wiseman is confused i actually very much enjoy i wasn't on last week or a couple of days ago but i enjoyed james wiseman admitting that he was confused about the offense because a lot of the times, it's not it's not James Wiseman's fault that he's confused. It's that there should be an in-between because James Wiseman is very good, as you saw tonight, as just if he is able to do simple things like be physical, be aggressive, put the other man under the rim, which is a very big man thing, you're going to get a dunk. You're going to get two points. And two points being the aggressive physical cut under the rim is the exact same thing as versus someone like Kevon Ludney where – hey, if you run three separate movements in an offense, right. you're going to get a dunk, right? Like, it's the same freaking thing. But Kevon Looney is not James Wiseman. James Wiseman, is, James Wiseman is so big and athletic that he can just push someone under and get a he dunk. Can, he so, can simplify it, yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right, so right now, I think we need to take a big picture. I think this is, at this point, the Warriors are 6-4, and four, and they have two games, in my opinion, that they stole. Uh, right. the right. Bulls game, which they needed. I, I don't know what would happen if they'd have lost that Bulls game. You know, like this season, I feel like they would have really hit in some hard times there if that happened. Um, and then this game tonight, I don't even want to call it a steal, but it was, uh, I wouldn't exactly call it an inspiring win. Like they played three good quarters and I thought Toronto was going to do to them what they did to the Clippers on Friday night. You know, well, it's not the Clippers win was a steal. I thought the Clippers win was a steal, Dan. Yeah, a little like, bit. To, a little be, bit, to yeah. be transparent, I thought that was a steal. Like, I think the first Clippers game, I think, was one for them to take. I wouldn't have said that was a steal if they had won that game. But I thought right. the second game that they played against the Clippers was, was an absolute steal. Like, that wasn't that a game that they should have won, but they did because of Steph. Yeah, and, I mean, this was, to, to be honest, one, this is the first game they've won where Steph hasn't scored 30 points, and it's hilarious because he scored eight points. It's like 
they can't even have a game where it's like they finally won one where he didn't score 30 and he ends with like 27. It has to be like he scores eight. <laughs> you know, it's like has to go to an opposite right. extreme. Right. Uh, but beyond that, um, they, they also have started kind of coming together on defense in a way where I don't think this is an elite defense, but it's above oh, average. That's and, a great point. And great it point. allows them to be in games. And when you're in games, you know, at some point they're going to lose a game by one or two points. Um, Cause that's just how it goes. But if you're in games, you're going to come up with more wins than if you're playing no defense and it's kind of like you know some nights you're hot some nights you're not right so <clears throat> i thought of this the other day do you think that this is just the um the not the issue but the the trend with the nba where steve kerr and i think old school coaches i think even myself i think of defense as being you want elite basketball players playing defense and you're going to be able to win a basketball game right. i think what's happening in 2021 2020 and 2021 is that you don't need elite basketball players. You just need absolutely salvageable basketball basketball players on defense, and you're okay, right? For example, someone like Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, Eric Pascal, Eric Ken Bazemore, if they're okay on defense and they're slightly above average on offense, you're okay, right? And I think what Steve Kerr is used to is you want Sean Livingston, Andre Godala, Kevon Looney, these guys that are very above average on defense. And if right. you have them, you're going to win, right? I feel like in today's NBA, if you have someone that's okay on defense and a shooter on offense, you're going to be able to win. And I think that's what the Warriors are kind of struggling with and starting to understand is that, dude, you can play Damian Lee a lot more than you can. You can play Kent Bazemore. You can play Michael Mulder. Actually, I'm going to throw Kent Bazemore out. But you can play Damian Lee, Eric Pascal, and Michael Mulder more because – these guys can score. And if they can score and be passable on defense, you're going to win a lot of basketball basketball games. I also think that works because you have Draymond Green. Um, <laughs> I'm, true, I'm, true. I'm, watching, I'm watching the Warriors play defense, and the, the most telling thing about them is the way they communicate. And if we're going to get to communication, it's, it's about Draymond Green and only about Draymond Green. So I think it's, it's similar to me, honestly, it's similar to the Spurs when um, Tim Duncan made a ton of defensive lineups playable. Like Patty Mills isn't a good defender per se, but he is smart enough to know where to be, right? Like you can go through a ton of players the Spurs had during those years, but it works because they have a couple guys on defense who are, really high IQ who can kind of quarterback the whole thing. And as a team, you know what, like, you know, if, if Patty Mills is stuck on one-on-one -on -one coverage on Kevin Durant, you know, you're kind of, you're screwed either way, but like, you know, not every team has a Kevin Durant. So if you have a smart backline defender getting everyone in order and everyone is organized, you're going to, you're going to rack up a lot of W's in the regular season. We saw what Chris Boucher did tonight. Yeah. <laughs> just in terms of just in terms of being a backline defender, and we don't have to go into um, we don't have to go into what the Warriors missed out on Chris Boucher. But I think Draymond Green, uh, Sam, do you think this was the best Draymond Green that we've seen this season? Because to me, it felt like it felt like somebody that somebody that was able to guard a multi, uh, multiple people on the perimeter, guard the rim get rebounds at least my favorite by the way is uh by my my like not a like a pet kind of love is that uh a tip rebound 
That's my favorite thing about Draymond Green is he knows that he can't necessarily get the rebound with two hands, but he tips it to someone else. That's my favorite thing in the world because that tells you awareness. Because it's of, the most unselfish play in basketball because yo, it's, it is. I don't I get a stat it. for I this. I'm just helping my team win. Yep. Yeah. And that, yep. I was going to say tonight is the first night Draymond has scored in double figures. Yep. Um, you know, I don't judge Draymond by his scoring, but the first few games of his return from uh, from COVID, he was really testing the boundaries of how good one can be without being any sort of scoring threat. You know what I mean? Like he was. Yeah, really- he also shot. He, he also shot the ball tonight. Like, yeah, he tested the limits of what you can be without with being an absolute zero. Ask about as a basketball player like myself. I watched some of the passes he made. And I'm like. Yeah, that's the stuff that I would do because I don't look to score. I look to I look right. to pass, I look to defend. That's what Draymond wanted to do. But he also wanted to shoot threes. Like he wasn't he shot him without hesitation, not because he was just like, oh, I'm the only one that's not being guarded right now. So I thought that was a nice little twist. Do you think, because part of me is thinking about this, do you think that you would rather play uh James Wiseman next to Draymond Green and then take out Kelly Oubre with Damian Lee in those lineups? Maybe not to end the game, but at least in the middle of the fourth quarter. I would like to see them try that. Um, I would have to look at the lineup data, but I don't feel like they've used their starting, basically switching Ubre for Damian Lee with the starting lineup. They haven't done a lot of Steph, Lee, Wiggins, Draymond, Wiseman, or you can throw Mulder in there too. It's been a lot of um, the small shooting lineup with Pascal at the center and like the second unit and trying to pound it on like that, which by the way, there is value in that because usually most teams second units are smaller. Um, I do want to see it. I, I do also understand what the Warriors are trying to do with Wiseman. Like there, to me, it seems like there's a very concerted effort to slow play his development. So he doesn't develop bad habits and I'm not necessarily bothered by that. Yeah, I think that's interesting that you're not bothered by that because I do feel I do feel like Wiseman is very um, he doesn't have the feel for the game that I didn't expect this. But if you were thinking of someone as a superstar, I don't think I see James Wiseman as someone that has that superstar feel of the game. Um, I also watched Anthony Davis and even Giannis a little bit, and I don't think those guys have elite feel for the game but they have so much physical talent and shooting ability that it doesn't matter, right? Because I look at LeBron, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, like some of those elite players, and I'm like, okay, these guys exactly know how to pass, how to shoot, when to defend, when to take a charge. I don't know if James Wiseman has that. I haven't seen it yet, but he does have the athletic ability for that not to matter. So that's nice. Um, he had a coast to coast dunk today. That was that was like okay, like that's one of the things where you're like, okay, that's only that's only a play that a superstar can make. So I'm not. Sure that's a one of one type play. You can't like you, one, you can, exactly. Yeah. There's no level I of get, like training that gets Draymond to do that. <laughs> so or I loony. like I don't know. Or, well, yes, we know that. So I don't know if if Wiseman has that like elite view of the game, but I do think that he has the um, the physical talents and and enough of the skill to do that play. But I, it, it does make me kind of concerned, even though he's 19, that the Warriors aren't playing him in a fourth quarter, mid, mid fourth quarter kind of level to say, hey, why don't we throw him out there and see what he can do? It does kind of concern me that they're not willing to do that. 
I guess it doesn't matter that much for the long scheme of things. Steve Kerr's trying to win. You can't argue against that. But, Sam, it, it, it does worry me a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to agree to disagree with you on that one. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it yet. Um, I want to see more, though. I want to see him really have a dominant game and the Warriors not bring him in. Then we start questioning it. I, I, feel like, I feel like at this point they're trying to keep him at 20 minutes a game. So um, we're going to see. But at this point, we, we should go bigger picture. They're 6-4. and four. Better start than I expected. You know, took him 20 games to figure it out, et cetera. You know, they've, they've, they've stolen a few games here. Their advanced stats do not say they're this good. They, they would indicate they're more of a four and six team than a six and four team, but which actually honestly makes it better that they're winning right now because you right. Know, all that matters is, is the wins. I mean, it's, it's predictive, but we'll, we'll see. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll get you your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That is bwhustle.com slash join. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-pot with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. 
a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash light years and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash light years and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Let's get to some Twitter questions. You want to go there? Let's rip through some questions. Yep. All right. This was actually what I wanted to talk with you about, but how real do you think the solid play of Wiggins is from Danny Burt 33? Yeah, this is a good one because it's, it's kind of something we've been sneaking our minds. We've been kind of talking about for a while, right? Do you think that, I mean, you watched the, I watched the post game interview with Andrew Wiggins and it felt like he he credited the Warriors culture. Hashtag Warriors culture. Shout out culture. Uh, Shout out to the culture. It, but it 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 does feel to me that not anything that Andrew Wiggins has done so far is unsustainable. Outside of like maybe some BS step back three pointers, because right. I know he's shooting maybe like 39, 40 plus percent from three. So maybe some of that is is it'll go down. Maybe he'll end up at a 36, 37 percent, which I think is completely fair for someone like Andrew Wiggins. But outside of that, Sam, it feels like Andrew Wiggins is someone that he's not. He's not trying to be um, himself. Himself. He's not trying to be who he's been in his NBA career. He's trying to fit into a team that has a culture already. That, to me, feels like who Andrew Wiggins is. I know he's not someone that takes interviews. He's not someone that's super, like, charismatic in terms of who he is as a person. He's a little shy. Kelly Oubre, yeah. He's a little shy. So I think it is sustainable in terms of how he is defensively and as a basketball player cutting and all of that. Maybe he drops in terms. He's not going to be forty percent because that's Clay Thompson level. But maybe, maybe he ends up as a thirty percent player. But I think this is who he is. I think they did unlock him as a player that is more of a team basketball player and more talented than we thought. Yeah. So tonight he had four blocks on the season. He is averaging about a block and a steal a game. In my opinion, I. I his defense has been pretty good on this season. Um, I do agree with you. I, I don't know if – so he's never going to live up to the max contract. That's the first thing we have to throw out there, right? Like, he's he's just not that guy, right? He's not Kawhi Leonard. He's not, um, you know, uh, Kevin Durant or any of those, like, superstar wings. But he does fit how the Warriors want to play. And I think the way the Warriors want to play fits his game better than anything, because he's not really an ISO player. He's a guy who can make a a dribble move here or there, but like he's better playing off of someone like in my mind, all I can think about is what if Clay Thompson was healthy? Because that was just, if Clay, if Clay was healthy, Wiggins would fit in perfectly around the two of them. His efficiency would probably even go up more so. And, and, um, and it would make all the sense in the world. I think he, for me, it's a question of how long the Warriors are willing to pay 30 million a year for a guy who's like a really, really (laughs) good role player, like maybe a little more than the role. He's, he's in that weird, um, 
not a role player, but not a centerpiece guy, right? Right, so, right. He, he's in that role where, as Steve Kerr just said, a quote, hey, he didn't come here to change who the Warriors are. He's, he came in here to just be him um, and to be a little bit better version of himself. Do I see him as a better version of a Harrison Barnes? Harrison Barnes was very good this year. But in terms of who Harrison Barnes was in 2015, 2016, I do have to say that this version has been a little bit better. Like, just, just to be transparent, he's been better as an isolation scorer. He's been better going to the rim. He's been better defending kind of ISO guys on the perimeter than someone that I saw for Harrison Barnes. Oh, absolutely. 14, 15, yeah. 16. I think so. I, I think so. At least for the first 10 games. He has been better. Um, he is better than Harrison Barnes was in 2015, 16. Um, everything with him goes back to contract value. Like if you're willing, if the Warriors are willing to pay him max dollar to be like a very nice role player, then, you know, he's worth it because on his next contract, maybe you can re-sign him for a figure that's more kind of in line with what he's doing. Right. Um, with that said, you know, that's not the fans concern, the money that's a, you know, Joe Lacob concern. So um, he is good. I do think he makes sense with the team and, you know, it's been a positive. I think he's been, um, the third best player on the team pretty clearly the whole way through and many nights, the second best. So. Pretty clearly. And I think as long as they get some shooting around those guys, because Angel Wiggins is the lead initiator on the bench units. Right. If guys like Damian Lee, Michael Mulder and Eric Pascal can, uh, uh, can consistently get buckets, then you're okay. We'll see how long that lasts. I am kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop for someone like Eric Pascal. I know I said season that I did right, think right. that Eric Pascal was someone that that, that was going to be very good, but I am kind of waiting for like, okay, when is this kind of shoe to drop? But we'll see because right, because you look at Eric Pascal and you're saying you're kind of judging him against first string players, and that's not who Eric Pascal is playing against today. Eric Pascal is not playing against first string players. Eric Pascal is playing against the majority of second string guys on other teams, and he should be able to dominate. I don't think that Eric Pascal is going to be a uh, significant contributor against closing uh, against closing lineups or first lineups, but he should be able to very uh, be very good on defense. So he Wiggins should be able to compete on the uh, in the second unit. We'll see how long that lasts. We'll see. We'll see. Absolutely, and it should be noted he's still not shooting too much from outside, but whatever. Um, from losing recipes, great name. Do you want to extend Ubre for his defense? And if so, what should he get per year? Obviously, a little stop. early to tell. Stop. Too early. Stop. 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 I also think Sam, do you agree with me that Ubre's defense is a little overrated in oh, terms definitely. of definitely? Yeah. Yeah. Right. People that think his defense is amazing, his defense is good. It's very fun he's to watch. Dis- he's disruptive, for sure. Yes. But is he yes. the best defender on the team? No. Is he the second best? No. Is he the third best? Probably not. He's, he's, he's making noise. I, I, you know, I, I don't really want to talk about Uber. He's playing terrible right now. There's just no other way around it. Like, he can't hit a shot. And he made a big three. He made a big three. He did make he a, big, a big, three. big three. He did not blow a kiss tonight, though. I can tell. <laughs> I he's not willing to blow a kiss until he makes two in a row. So Yep. I respect um, that. Let's see. What I, I will say one thing before you get to the next question, Sam, about Kelly Oubre, is that I enjoy the uh, sustainability of the optimism that he has and the joy of basketball. A lot of times... Hashtag joy in buckets. 
Jordan Park. It's very corny <laughs> with how they enjoy basketball. Very corny. But if you're going to have someone that struggles, I'd rather have someone that struggles and is having a good attitude about playing basketball. And I think that Kelly Oubre has that. End of the day, he is a 34, 35% three-point shooter. And I think he gets there. It's just a matter of waiting it out till he gets there. And you're not going to get there if it's someone that's just very pissy and moany all the time. And right. that's not who Kelly Oubre is. It is, it is a positive that he's uh, – I, I do think it's probably getting to his head a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. But, like, it, it's hard to not think it's getting to – I mean, he's looking at his feet when he's shooting. You, he, that's always a sign that someone's thinking too much, right? But um, it, it does kind of – it is a positive sign that he's um, – he has a good attitude about it. And he's trying to push through it because I don't know if he's ever had a spell like this in his career before. and you know what? Like, it sucks. So, might as well push through it, right? Um, yep. Yep. Next question from a friend of the show, Mike Mikas. Do we think it's important for the current Warriors to have Ubre get back to his shooting, his career averages from deep, or is it more important for Wiseman to improve as a defender? Ooh, this is a great one. It's, um, more, important for Wiseman. it's more important for Wiseman. Sam, go ahead. Oh, I know. Give me, give me your, give me your reason first. Yeah, because it, it, I mean, just it's more important for Wiseman to be a great defender. There were a few times tonight. Actually, he looked better tonight than he has in the in the past few games. Because I mean, w- number one, Wiseman's going to be on this team longer than Kelly Oubre. Like he's going to be on the team for long, unless you end, unless the Warriors end up trading him, which I don't think. Although. Pascal Siakam was in the city tonight. And maybe if you say Pascal Siakam, <laughs> maybe it was you saying James Wiseman and maybe a pick for Pascal Siakam, maybe they end up doing that. But if that's not going to happen, I think James Wiseman is going to be on this team a lot longer than Kelly Oubre. And you would rather have Kelly Oubre. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. James Wiseman. And you would rather have James Wiseman be a better defender uh, at the rim than someone like Kelly Oubre. So I think just that in itself is going to make it more important. And I think that in today's NBA, unless you have someone like Tony Allen, Draymond Green, some elite wing defender, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, that it doesn't really matter what type of wing defense that you have, unless, as long as you have a great elite uh, wing Oh, wow. What is going on in the background of where you are? Yeah, I (laughs) muted myself. All right. Um, I'm going to say, okay, so to me, to answer Mike Mikas' question, two separate things so long term the most important thing for the Warriors is Wiseman's development in every possible avenue right defense offense or defense scoring shooting passing all that stuff like everything is kind of small gains relative to Wiseman's big games right like he's the future of the team and in you know whether it is as him on the team or as a trade chip but like he's you know, as far as it's concerned, Wiseman's development is more important than anything. In the short term, I would say Ubre being able to shoot the ball is pretty damn important because right now the starting lineup is unplayable for extended stretches because they don't have enough shooting. Ubre is one of their two kind of longer rager wings who can defend. And his inability to hit a shot makes it hard for Steve Kerr to play him for extended minutes. 
So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, short term, we're trying to win games next week against Indiana, against Phoenix, against the Lakers, against whoever. Ubre being able to hit shots matters more. Long term, Wiseman matters more. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Although, to, although also to me, it's like Damian Lee, get that guy in the starting lineup. It is, yeah. I mean, like that. For me, the only reason you don't do it right now is because you don't want to mess with Ubre's confidence anymore. And, um, you know what? Like, if if Steve's gonna pull the trigger that quick with rotations, I don't really care who starts. Um. Oh, this is a fun one from Ricky G one five seven. Not that Ricky G. Uh, should the NBA do games on Nickelodeon? I thought one of the most interesting parts of this weekend's sports, kind of what happened in sports, was that the NFL, who has dealt with COVID all season long and has dealt with COVID being, hey, these guys are going to be out for games. We'll figure out. Alvin Kamara had COVID, or at least was out for COVID for the last game of the season, was able to play on Sunday. They went through with it. I'm not saying that any sports administrations or leagues should be playing guys through COVID anyway. But I thought that the NFL was able to enjoy what's happened throughout the season. And I think that what the NBA, depending on what they do, Sam, is that they should just go through with it anyway. Because, Sam, if you're going to suspend the season or pause the season because of COVID, you're never going to get the season over with. And if what your goal is to make money or just get the season over with or get something done, it's not going to happen if you're always going to think that COVID is going to pause it. And I think that's what makes the NFL more fun. Again, I preface it with saying if the NFL, if the NFL or the NBA feels like they should pause the season because of players getting COVID, by all means. But I think there should be a more fun way to enjoy basketball games. And I think the NFL has always done that. And that was a really cool touch that Nickelodeon had. And I don't feel like the NBA has ever done anything close to that effort so i felt like the 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 nickelodeon thing was fun for kids like i i don't know do kids watch nickelodeon these days i feel like kids are just on their tablets playing uh games online anyway yeah exactly but you know this is coming from two dudes who don't have little kids so what do we know (laughs) (laughs) uh what i was gonna say is um i think the nfl uh makes more of an effort to make things fan friendly than the NBA does. You brought this up. The NFL was more interested in putting together something that appeased the fans, even if it was a little uncomfortable at times with COVID and everything. Um, And, you know, that's not to say anyone should be reckless or anything, but with the NBA, I often feel like the consumer is looked down upon. Like this is good. Last week, Kyrie just doesn't want to play. No one will say why he doesn't want to play. Personal reasons. I'm not saying those personal reasons are wrong or not, but could you imagine a football player doing that? Could you imagine the NFL being like, Derrick Henry does not want to play, bothered by the political events, you know, like something like that. Like, I'm not even, you know, I don't want to make a point in that, but it's like at a certain point, it does feel like one league is more interested in putting together a good product and the other leagues more interested in kind of vanity. 
Yeah, one league is more interested in putting on the product that most people feel matters. One league is more catered to the feelings of Kyrie Irving, which nobody really cares about. Right. I'll be honest with you, Sam. I'll be honest with you. What Kyrie's what Kyrie cares about in terms of what's happening in the war today doesn't affect Kyrie Irving. It does not affect Kyrie right. Irving on a day-to-day basis at all. And whether Kyrie Irving wants to miss a basketball game or not is great. It's up to him. But not telling the coach or the franchise of what he feels like, that's not how anybody deals with anything that happens in real life. So I also feel like most people that came for Kyrie Irving are going to say, well, he can do whatever he wants to do because he's not happy with what's happening in real life. Yeah, that's fair. But you also have to understand what's going on in terms of what happens in businesses. At least say something and let someone know that you don't want to play basketball. Let's- and honestly, the 99% of what – sports fan cares about is whether you're going to play basketball or not. And if you don't want to play and you tell the coach or organization you want to play, that's fair. But then I just don't get why people say, well, Kyrie Irving didn't say anything to Steve Nash. And I think that's completely okay. I think that's bullshit. I, I agree that's with you. Bullshit. I'm going to, that's bullshit. I'm going to bring one other point up. Not here. even that he's wrong. Yeah, go ahead. Not yeah. even that Kyrie's wrong. I should say that. Not even that he's wrong. It's just say something. Be a fucking normal human being. Be an adult about it. You know, you know what? Okay. Here's a person I'm trying to, who's a person who played for a Bay area team who had some major political objections to various things going on in this country. Colin Kaepernick at minimum, he was willing to say and deal with the repercussions of his own actions. Like, I don't agree with, Teams not signing him. I don't agree with like a lot of things, but like at least he was willing to man up to it a little bit. Whereas Kyrie Irving, at this point, we're just left with you know assumptions that he doesn't want to play because you know he, he has problems. And I don't know. Um, we can I, also I both look. We could also both look awful because we could find out like he has a family matter. But I, it just seems weird to me that well, if it was a family matter. It wouldn't have been released to the team very quickly. That like, hey man, I have um, you know something's going on with my family member, and you know, can I have right, something? right? I, I, I to me, it just feels like, look, man, like if you have a problem, say it. Like I agree with Colin Kaepernick. He was on my Hall of Fame kind of Bay Area top five. Right. Colin Kaepernick because of what he did like that's amazing I think the NFL in terms of as an organization or a piece of shit in terms of I think they black bottom and never wanted to bring him back like that's how I feel but at the same time Colin Kaepernick said this is how I feel if you're going to treat me this way you treat me this way right and it's like with Kyrie Irving it's like I don't know what he's trying to accomplish here because it's end of the day it's like man like none of this re- does it really affect Kyrie Irving someone that grew up <laughs> you call them someone, the, someone that has a hundred like someone who has a hundred fifty million dollar contract on top of a hundred million dollar contract you're <laughs> are right you, are you just cosplaying as someone that's actually being affected here because you're not so end of the day it's like it, it, as Sam always says to me it's just I don't know man like the NBA needs to understand that hey the consumers feel this way they should care about this thing if you feel like you should care more about pausing the season or COVID or political issues, I am 100% with you. What happened at the Capitol, complete bullshit. What happened any Unacceptable, like, yeah. Right, absolutely, absolutely unacceptable. But what are we end of the deal? Because, Sam, if you ask me what Steph Curry, Draymond Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, what do these guys want to do right now? They want to play basketball. Like, I can assure you they want to play basketball. So 
anything else of what everybody is feeling, what these guys want to do, that's just their projection. What the players want to do is they want to play basketball. So I don't really know where we're going to go from here. So I think cutting Kyrie slack for what he's doing right now, I don't know if that's accurate. I also think that, how does Kevin Durant feel? Because, again, they lost by 20 today (laughs) to Oklahoma City Thunders. I don't know if you watched that game, but that's something that's probably a problem for the Brooklyn Nets right now. Yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna monitor it from a distance. Um, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll 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 you know I'm I'm gonna let it play out. You know how I feel. Most of the listeners yeah, know right. how I feel. So um, let's let's get one more question, then we're gonna get out of here. We'll be back on Tuesday. Um, how do you divide the blame for Uber? You know what? Honestly, most of our questions are about Uber, so we might as well get one more here. From bandwagon fandom, how do you divide the blame pie for Ubre's struggles? How much of it is on Ubre versus Kerr's offense versus fit chemistry with team versus other? So I feel like we danced around this. I'm going to go first. Um, I do think the starting lineup is a problem. I also understand why Steve Kerr doesn't want to change it um, because I don't think Kerr wants to mess with Ubre's confidence. So like right now we're stuck with a situation where there's not enough shooting and IQ in the starting lineup, basically, you know, like a lot of things would be easier if you swapped Ubre for Damian Lee, or you swapped Wiseman for Damian Lee, to be honest, you go small and like a bunch of wings and stuff. Like they just need one more shooter out there and one more player who understands how to make a basic read and pass the ball to the next open man. Right. Um, so I think that's part of it, but the other part of it is like, I mean, Uber is getting open looks. It, a lot of this would be less of an issue if he was shooting 37% on those open looks instead of 22, you know, sorry, when, when I'm saying 20, like 2% on them, right? Like, it's not like he's taking tough threes. So I, I think it's 50, 50. I think what's interesting is Kerr is trying to back him to get it, keep his confidence up. And I think that's the important thing. I think Steve Kerr is doing the right thing. I think Steve Kerr is doing the right thing here. I, I, I don't think that Kelly Oubre is someone that's soft or someone that's going to vanish if he's being benched. But I also think that, look, man, you're going to need Kelly Oubre to make shots in first round series. Maybe a series that gets you to a four, five, six seed in later on the regular season, and you can't lose him, right? As much as I love Damian Lee and I love at least the way he's shooting right now or Michael Mulder and Pascal, these guys are going to come back to earth at some point. And you're going to need someone like Kelly Oubre to regress back to the actual mean of what he's been shooting in his career. And I think Steve Kerr is probably the best in the league at manager at managing someone's ego or managing kind of the feelings of certain players and to get them back to at least the way that they've played in the past. And I think that he's doing the right thing. Honestly, most of the struggles, I think what's happening in Kelly Oubre at this point in the season are on Kelly Oubre and not on Steve Kerr. Right. I think there was a there was an argument to say that, hey, he's been doing way – he's been put in situations where he's making too many decisions, and that's making it hard for him to shoot. I think that's correct. But I think right now, right now, Sam, he's getting wide open shot, and he's just clanking him. And he's not making the right plays on the court, and Draymond Green is getting frustrated with him. And I think a lot of the players are getting frustrated with him. Do you see Draymond throw him? Draymond did the quintessential, I'm mad at you, throwing a chest pass like 20 20- – miles per hour faster than he would ever right. throw it <laughs> and and i think that's one of the things where he, draymond's right steve Kerr's right is you play him through it you see if he can get through it and i think he will 
if they simplified enough, and I think they have, I think they have, I don't think they're running this complex offense right now. I think they simplified enough and he's just got to make these shots, man. He's got to make these shots or he does, or he just doesn't shoot them and takes it to the hole and passes. Like it's on Kelly Oubre right now. I don't think it's anything that Steve Kerr is do- doing incorrectly because if you look at it, Andrew Wiggins is flourishing. Eric Haskell is flourishing. He's put him in the right position. Damian Lee is playing well. So right now it's up to Kelly Oubre to do that finish line or get through back where he's right. Playing. We'll see right. what he does. All right. We're going to leave it there. We will be back after the Pacers game at the end of the homestand. The Warriors are four and two on this homestand. We will see where they end up at the end of it. Subscribe, rate five stars. Appreciate y'all. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.